Hi, I'm Matt McClory, lead pastor alongside my wife, Jill, here at Colonial Church in St. Augustine, Florida. Wanted to welcome you to Colonial Church's podcast. We are a church that believes in Jesus and people, which means we believe in you. So why not today subscribe to this podcast and choose to grow your life spiritually and in all the other ways as well into everything that God has got for you. God bless you, and I hope you enjoy this episode. All right, so so why don't we... Uh... I got a scripture that I'd like to, because we're going to preach, and you should really read scripture when you talk, you know, in church. And so that's a priority for us today. I love the scriptures. I love to teach the scriptures. And, um, and so we're going to read um, Psalm 103, verses 1 to 12. We got it on the screen. If you don't have a Bible with you today, it's okay, because I got you covered. Okay? We got the digital way up here. I'm reading, I believe, from the ESV. Um, it's not as fun, obviously, as the KJV, but it'll do. Okay. Uh, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. If, you, if you've been a Christian for any time, you're probably familiar with this passage. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Turn to your neighbor and say benefits. Benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity. Um, he heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. We'll keep going, guys. Who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Not the band, but the literal bird. Because those guys are getting old. Um, Glenn Fry is no longer with us, right? Just to prove the point. Okay. So the Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. I, I love that about the Lord, that he's, he's not like, some of us think that God just gets, you, some of you really believe that God just gets ticked at you at all, at all times. He's not like that. That's, like, that's more like you. <laughs> right? We create God in our own image. You know, like if you're an angry person, you're like, God's probably ticked at me right now. No, dude. You just, that's idolatry. Um, let's keep going here. He will not always chide. He's, you know, God's not sitting there whittling a stick at you, just like, you know. Nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins. Wow. That is profound. Nor repay us according to our iniquities. Christianity is not, there's no karma in Christianity. God doesn't deal with you. God's good to you because he's good, not because you're good. Right? His kindness towards you is not predicated on your kindness. It's, because, it's him, right? Isn't that great that God doesn't deal with us according to our sins? Wow, what a good God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Great song. Not going to sing it right now. For as high as the heavens, I don't have time. Okay. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. I mean, this dude is writing under the old covenant, and he's got a revelation that God's not a hater. 
How much more, because of the blood of Jesus, should we have a revelation like this? Lord, I thank you that you just, incredible, right? Let's keep moving. Are we done? Did we finish it? Was that 12? Yeah. Incredible. <laughs> Let me pray for you, and we're going to get into this. Father, thank you for your word. And Lord, I thank you that at the, oh, the opening of your word, there's, there's light that's shed. And Holy Spirit, you're the only one that can bring illumination and revelation. That's what you do. That's your job. And Holy Spirit, we ask you that you would do just that today in power. Would you open our eyes to your word, open our ears to hear, open our hearts to receive what it is that you want to say and what it is that you want to do today in your church. This is your church, Jesus. Thank you that you're building it. Father, thank you that you're building Colonial Church. God, we're thankful for that land that we just purchased recently. God, we thank you for the testimony to the goodness of God that is happening in St. Augustine for future generations and generations and generations. Father, I thank you for the call on this house to be a lighthouse in the community. And God, I thank you that you're going to continually add to your church such as you're, you're saving. In Jesus' name, we thank you, God, that this place is full of prophetic vision and people who know that the timing of the kingdom is now. We just bless them. We, Father, we thank you today for your goodness. Speak your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I'm getting excited. So I was uh, reading a book the last uh, couple of years. I wasn't reading it for two years. <laughs> but there are some books like that, right? Um, so I was reading this book, it's by a Canadian psychologist, and this psychologist has done some 25, 30 years in the field, and he's, he's now teaching at universities, et cetera, and he's an he's a incredible prof and teacher and, and author now, and so he's writing in this book, and, and um, in this, this chapter I come across, he begins to talk about this phenomenon in the medical community in which people who are suffering from a like a, an assortment of maladies. I mean, from flu to people who have been on dialysis for years and they need an organ transplant and they need to take certain medication to reduce their body's uh, you know, ability to fight that thing, right, because your body wants to reject uh, an organ when it comes in. So, like, we're talking cancer, like, across the board, people that are suffering from all different types of diseases and this phenomenon in the medical community, particularly in North America, or particular to North America, rather, is that people are prescribed these medications. And one-third of people who are prescribed medication in North America don't get their uh, prescriptions filled. One-third don't even go to Walgreens and get their prescriptions filled, right? Like, sir, you're sick. Yeah, it's, it's really bad. Okay. You know, so go and take this stuff. It'll make you feel better, and you'll live, you know. And they don't even go and get it filled. Now, I, you know, just off the top of my head, without reading further, I'm, I'm thinking, like, yeah, well, Walgreens isn't exactly, you know, an afternoon at Disney, right? Like, <laughs> although an afternoon at Disney could be bad, <laughs> especially if you have, like, five kids, <laughs> and it's really hot, you know. Uh, but Walgreens... Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's a bit of a miserable experience. Um, I, the last time that I had to get a prescription filled, I remember like walking across the street. I was in New York City, and I walked across the street. It's like two years ago. 
And, you know, I saw them send it, you know, like, okay, you can go, you know, pick it up at the CVS pharmacy across the street. And I'm like, all right, sweet, you know, see you later. I walked across the street and I'm like, hi, my name's Nathan. I'm here to pick up the prescription, you know, and they're like, oh, you're not here in the computer. I'm like, I, they just sent it like five minutes ago. Why wouldn't it be there? We have the technology. You know, like, so I had to wait around, like, it was just, you know, I waited for probably 35 minutes, you know, like, just kicking, you know, and then I don't know what they're doing back there, because they don't like to make eye contact. <laughs> you ever notice that? Pharmacists, they're always, <laughs> you know, like, what are you doing? Um, and then they're on a platform, sort of like me, just pontificating, right? Like, we have all of the medicine, and you're sick, and I'm taking my time, you know? <laughs> There's another third of us, according to this medical data, that, take, uh, that get the prescriptions filled, but we don't take the medication properly. I'm for sure in that category. I've never fin finished a prescription of antibiotics in my life. <laughs> right? Is that the laughter of identification? <laughs> right? And they always say, like, so this is why they talk to us like we're morons. Right? Which is another reason why I don't want to go to Walgreens right, and get my prescription filled. Because they're, you, know, you walk up and they're like, Mr. Finocchi, I'm like, Ann, you know, I know you. You know what I mean? Like, we're on a first name basis. Um, Mr. Finocchio, you know, it's on the bottle. It's, everything's written in caps. Caps is super easy to read. And it's, on, you know, it's like, Mr. Finocchio. And she's like, okay, so, so take uh, two tablets. T two? What's that? <laughs> you know, with a meal. Is that when you're eating food, you know? Yeah. And they always say, right, and make sure that you finish the prescription, right? Now, they, they, they talk to us like that, and they, they say that, once again, because we aren't taking the medication properly. They know it. They're like, you're not going to do it. <laughs> and then there's a third of us that do take the medication properly um, and, and well done. Okay, that's... It's good on, good on you. Now, interestingly, and conversely, what do you think the percentages of people who get the, the medication um, and the prescriptions filled and then administer it properly to their pets that are sick? It's 100%. <laughs> it's 100. It's, it's insane. Um, I had... I lived on, on, on East 12th Street, on the, on the corner of First Avenue and East 12th in, in the East Village. I lived in a, our first apartment was a 225 square foot apartment. When my parents first saw it, they laughed. They literally, they laughed for like five minutes. And they're just like, this is hilarious. I'm like, thank you for laughing at my poverty. <laughs> my wife and I, it was crazy. There was like nowhere, when we'd get in fights, you'd, like you just had to be in the same room. The only other room was the bathroom. If you, when you walked into my apartment, to the left was like a shower. And then left of the shower was a little kitchenette. And then left of the kitchenette was the toilet with the door. <laughs> and then on the floor was our mattress. It was hilarious. And I paid more money than my father's mortgage for his eight-bedroom uh, home. Anyways, memories. Um, so if you walked five blocks down uh, 12th Street, if you walked west, you'd get into the West Village. They live differently in the West Village. And my friend Paul, um, <laughs> he lived in this gorgeous apartment, penthouse 
up top. He's like, you know, he's been in, in um, he's been, he's at the, gosh, he's like 50, 50 something, and he's, he's doing well. You know, I'm starting out. Like, he's like killing it. He wrote, he's, he's written some absolutely beautiful songs that have gone all over the world, and he travels all over the world, and, and uh, he, he, he wrote that song, um, um, Open the Eyes of My Heart, Lord. You know that one? Um, just killer songs, and so he's, he kills it. And so he's up there in his penthouse laughing at me. I'm on the same street, but five blocks down in my cardboard box. <laughs> and um, his wife doesn't really like to travel, um, kind of like my wife, just doesn't like to fly and nervous flyer and all that stuff. But um, every now and then, Rita will go out you know, with them, and they'll, they'll go out. And when they'd go out, they'd ask us to take care of, our do- of their dog. And so um, we would love it because they'd let us stay at their apartment. So we'd get out of shantytown, you know, and we're feeling like normal human beings in the penthouse and overlooking um, the south of the, of, the, of the island. And so we're up there and we're taking care of this dog. And this dog was like, have you ever seen a dog where it's like, this dog, you know, like, do the right thing, Paul. You know what I mean? Like, this is a sick dog. It's, he's clearly not happy, right? He's like blind in one eye. Like, he's hobbling everywhere. You know what I mean? Like, bumping into walls. <laughs> and he's like, he's, you know, so, and this, they're telling us, like, they leave these long instructions, you know, like, okay, you need to, you know, da-da-da-da-da, and, like, give it all, and, like, in, like, an advent calendar of pills that this dog needs to take. <laughs> and, and you have to, like, shove, it's very, very specific. You have to take the pill, and you have to shove the food or the, the, the pill into the meat, and then you open, it's crazy, you have to open the dog's mouth and, you know, throw the pill in, it's, it's insane, dude. So I'm going, what? Because I grew up in a, in, a, in a town, like a small town. Um, uh, my parents live in a town of 1,800 people in, in southwestern Ontario. It's an agricultural community. And, like, people have, like, a... Um, like a, a dollar limit for sick animals because a bullet is a dollar. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Maybe that's offensive to you, but that's where I'm from. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, so I'm thinking, Paul, do the right thing, bro. Drive this thing out to Pennsylvania and shoot it twice in the head. You know, like, it's clearly miserable. It's the humane thing to do. This dog had its day. All its days are gone. Um, and it's just crazy. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know. Can you imagine doing that, though, to a cat? No. No, you, no, you do the right thing. Okay? You go find a farm and you do the right thing. <laughs> so, so, so it's just amazing. Like, people will, will risk life and limb to take care of their pets, but they don't take care of themselves. And in this book, the author sort of is making this point, and he's not a Christian, but he sort of summarizes, and he's just like, you know, you have to see yourself in psychology. You have to see yourself as somebody that's worth saving. And so often people just, we don't, because, and maybe it's because we're so aware of our own failures and we're, we're so aware of our own humanity and, and that we just don't see ourselves that way. We'll take care of a pet, but we won't take care of ourselves. And I really loved the thought when I read it. I was like, man, that's, that's really powerful. But 
you know, I, I think I have an idea of the reason why we don't take care of ourselves, the reason why we don't take our pills. By the way, um, the, the, the message is called Take, our Pil- take Your Pills. That's the, the title of this talk today, Take Your Pills. <laughs> I think the reason why we don't take our pills is because we have an awareness of sin, okay? And even as Christians, sometimes we don't properly deal with it. You guys remember in Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve, they, they, they eat the, the fruit and, and their eyes are enlightened and, and they realize that they're naked? You remember that story? And, and there's shame, and they, so they hide themselves from one another, and they hide themselves from, from, from God. And God shows up, and, he, and see, God's always the one that's, that's looking for us. God's always the one that's initiating the relationship. It's not you, it's him. Always coming after you, calling your name, seeking restoration. And so they're there, and they are, do you remember what was happening? They were making fig leaf bikinis. <laughs> this is literally what they were making. That's, it's literally what they were making. And they're sewing these little fig leaf bikinis and, you know, and God's, he's probably muffling, like trying to muffle a laugh, you know, and he's just like, what are you doing? You know, like, we're naked. Yeah, who told you that, you know? Um, and they're like, well, I don't know, just, we just know. And, and, um, and that's the first mention of self-righteousness in scripture. The first mention right there. I mean, um, theologians call Genesis chapter 3 the Proto-Evangelion. It's the first gospel. And the first gospel is this. We sin, we become aware of it. There's guilt and there's shame, and we hide ourselves from others, and we hide ourselves, more importantly, from God. And then what do we do, though? We try to deal with it ourselves. What do you do when you, you, know, when you make a mistake? You try to cover your backside, right? That was literally what they were trying to do, <laughs> right? My wife and I watched this show called Naked and Afraid. Have you ever heard of Naked and Afraid? It's okay. I'm the preacher and I've heard of it. So you can put your hand up. We'll pray for you after. I don't know. We love this show. I I watch marathons of it. It's fantastic. If you're not familiar with the show, basically they take two people who don't know each other, a guy and a gal, and they are survivors, which means that like they're vegan or something. Like, yeah, I could survive for 21 days. I don't eat meat, you know? And they drop them off in an uninhabitable part of the world, like a jungle, a desert, something like that. And for 21 days, they have to survive off of only what they can catch to eat. Um, They drink the bad water all the time and get malaria. It's hilarious. Um, And they they quit, you know, after three days, you know, um, eat bad mushrooms. It's wild. And um, it's a great show. And and they, they drop them off as naked as the day that they were born. And so they're meeting themselves for the, each other for the first time. They're naked. It's kind of weird, you know. And in the show, they, they blur out um, the, the, naked, the nudity. Um, so, you know, you can obviously enjoy the show. Um, <laughs> I don't want to see that. Um, and, and about the second or third day into the show, like almost, you know, on, uh, on cue, um, the ladies in the show make a fig leaf bikini. Because it's like, who is this guy? You know, I don't want this guy you know, looking at me. So they make this their little clothes. And in the show, the, the blurring out bit, like the blurry bit, you know that blurry bit that blurs out nudity? That never goes away, even after they make their fig leaf bikini. You want to know why? Because fig leaf bikinis don't work. 
They don't work. There's no support. You run five feet and that thing is gone. You hear me? Right? Like they, they don't do the job. In Genesis chapter three, God shows up and they're working on their fig leaf bikinis and God's like, that's ridiculous. You look stupid. It's not going to do the job. And so God himself brings into the equation a goat that was not guilty, that was not a part of this, a sinless animal, right? Obviously prefiguring and a type of Jesus Christ, a type firstly of the goat that would be killed on the Day of Atonement, right? And God kills the goat and God creates skins for them and and creates the covering. See, God is always going to have to be the one that covers you. You will never be able to cover yourself. You're always going to have to receive a righteousness that's not your own. Now, here's the deal. The gospel isn't something that you graduate from. And I think that as Christians, so many times we live sick because we are not rehearsing the benefits of being in a relationship with God, which are our pills. And they inoculate you from a life of wacky thinking, wacky feeling, and wacky actions. And what so many times happens is that we feel, okay, well, I crossed the line, I went up to the altar, the preacher laid hands on me, you know, and... Now, you know, I'm a Christian, and so, you know, give me the meat of the word. Well, the, yeah, that's great, but also you need to continually rehearse the benefits of being in a relationship with God because you're not a human being, you're a human becoming, for starters. Humans are existential sharks. We're always moving in a direction. You know, you're either becoming more like Jesus or you're becoming less like Jesus. But there's no neutrality in the human experience, okay, for starters, just right there. So you need to continually rehearse the benefits. And there's so many Christians that are just like, yeah, like, I, you know, God saved, I know the gospel, and let's, you know, move on to other things. It's like, well, absolutely. You know, we do move on to other things. We don't lay again foundations, but there are certain things that you need to rehearse because your soul forgets the benefits, we see this in Psalm 103. You know, don't forget the benefits. Why is he saying don't forget the benefits? Because you forget the benefits. Because you're a human becoming, and you need to rehearse these things. In psychology, um, there's two types of, of thoughts that you have, okay? There's uh, your conscious thoughts and your subconscious thoughts. Your conscious thoughts are like a tip of an iceberg. The, these are the thoughts that you're aware of. Okay, it's just a small portion of your thought life, and then there's your subconscious thought life. Your subconscious thought life is most of the thoughts that you have, and you are not conscious of those thoughts. Now, the crazy thing is, this is how your soul works. So, your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Your goat is your mind, your will, and your emotions. When people go to psychologists to uh, practice and receive um, cognitive behavioral therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy is not you know, giving people pills. Sometimes people do need um, uh, medication. By the way, don't be a, a weird Christian that when people need chemicals that their body's not creating, that you're kind of like, that's a demon. Like, is it a demon because your eyes aren't working, so you have to wear glasses? You know, like, 
<laughs> Cast him out. Oh, I can see, you know. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, so in psychology, though, uh, um, in cognitive behavioral therapy, it's just teaching people new thought patterns. That's all it is. So it's teaching people to change. It's actually very Bible. You know, like set your mind on things. Oh, we're supposed to set our minds. So, um, yeah, psychology is just catching up to the Bible. It's, it's great. So in cognitive behavioral therapy, they teach you. So what will happen is um, people will people show up to, a, to a, a psychologist's office, and they're having all types of feelings, feelings of anxiety, fear, right? Like uncontrolled fear and uncontrolled panic. And, and, and some, a lot of times they don't understand necessarily what is setting it off. Have you ever been on a plane and, you, you know, or in a situation, maybe you're on a roller coaster and you're getting nervous, but, but it's like you're not necessarily thinking about the drop or you're not necessarily thinking about taking off. It's just you start to, you ever start to get nervous about something and you don't like, you're like, why am I getting nervous? Does that, does that make sense? That happens all the time because your subconscious is firing constantly. It's not necessarily in your conscious. Obviously, your conscious can, consciousness can set off that nervousness and that anxiety, but in your subconscious, man, like that's firing. And your, conscious, your subconscious has been shaped many times by things that, and factors that you're not even aware of. Here's an example. The shaping of the American palate. That's a, that's a great little story. So at some point in like the 1930s, some salesman of the century sold every single food packager and developer or whatever high fructose corn syrup, right? Like whoever that guy is, he deserves a plaque and a statue, right? Because that, whoever was like high fructose, put it in everything, okay? Which we put it in? Literally everything. Put it in milk, okay? Put it in bread. Why bread? Because it'll taste better, you know? Like, have you ever tried to go off sugar for five seconds? Right, you go to the grocery store and you're like, there's sugar in bread? You know, like... Yes, because high fructose corn syrup guy shaped a gen like generations. I remember like eating Japanese food for the first time, like real Japanese food. And it was like, this is missing something. And they're like, yeah, sugar. You know? <laughs> but so I was born in 1982, and you know, I didn't choose to have the palate that I have. I have the palate that I have because somebody in the 1930s decided that I would. You hearing me? There are things about me and about my soul and about you that you didn't necessarily choose. You're just swimming in it. We walk through life and we make in our subconscious, you know, we're kind of like these human sponges and we're these human existential sharks and we're just walking through life and we pick stuff up. We pick fears up. We pick anxieties up. We make packs with lies at times and it gets into our soul. Like, there are, this, there are agreements that you've probably made with some bad theology that you maybe wouldn't, like, necessarily work it out, but you've bought into it, and it's down here in your subconscious. And that's why you doubt God. You know that you shouldn't, but in your feelings, you do. And the reason why it's become a feeling, because it was a thought first. Feelings don't come first. Thoughts come first, then feelings come first. You hearing me? So what we have to do then, and in cognitive, in cognitive behavioral therapy, they teach you to you know, begin to unearth and, and, and begin to get rid of these, like the way that you're going to get rid of the subconscious that's triggering you constantly 
is to begin to put consciously the right thoughts in place rather than these dark, bad thoughts and the agreements that you've made here. You hearing me? If you're not working a conscious program, you will get worked by an unconscious program. If you're not working a conscious program, you're going to get worked by that subconscious programming that you've had. And what we see in Psalm 103 is David working a conscious program. He's doing that because he's aware the way his soul is. Let's, guys, let's, let's go quickly to Psalm 103, verse 1, and we're just going to go through this again. Just the first five verses. So bless the Lord, O my soul, right? And all that is within me, my mind, my emotions, my will, everything bless his holy name because I need to worship God like my life depends on it because it does. Did you know that worship is rehabilitation for your soul? That's what it is. Like one of the reasons, well, the first reason that you should worship is because God's worthy of it and it's your highest calling as a Christian. The first calling of the church is to worship God, right? So that's why we should do it. But secondly, it is, it's, it's rehab for you because you're, you have been, <laughs> your loves have been captured by rival visions of human flourishing. And, we, you know, oh, if, if, I, if I set my heart on this, that'll really make me happy. Nope. <laughs> so you literally need to come here every Sunday and rehabilitate your loves. That's why we worship the way, that's why we're emotive the way you do, because you have emotions, yeah. right? And they desperately, like you, we live our life, I'm talking today about living your life from your thoughts and, and cutting it off of the past there, that's important. But if something becomes a love, it's game over. Once something has become an emotion, you don't deliberate with emotions, right? Like if, if you wanna, if you are in love with Oreo cookies, then that's happening. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Double stuff? Yes, you're killing a whole sleeve of them tonight. <laughs> right? You know, we, don't, we don't deliberate over emotions. You hear me? So the reason why we worship and we stir up the emotions is so that once something's become an emotion, man, you live from your heart. Your heart's a better leader than it is a follower. Right? That's another message. Scratch that from the record. Okay. Bless the Lord of my soul and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives? So see, see, forget not all his benefits, right? What's happening? I've forgotten. Have a great Sunday. And then you wake up on a Monday and you're like, God, do you love me? Right? Like after being in church and after reading the word. And, you know, if you don't, if you don't begin to rehearse the benefits on a Monday morning, you're, you're see, you're, because the soul is, we're fallen, Right? And, and the soul is it's broken. It's in a broken state of default. And the Word of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, can begin to nourish that. And these are your pills, right? Like so, but there's so many Christians who we don't take our pills because sin's working in us and, and, we, and we're ashamed and there's guilt and we're trying to deal with it. And we're not receiving the gospel in a fresh way. You hearing me? Yeah. So then by noon on a Monday, you know, after having a great Sunday, you're like, you know, God, where are you? And you wind up at Publix in the chocolate aisle. You know what I mean? You bring a spoon from home and you're just, you got a jar of Nutella and you're just crying into it. Just, <laughs> right? It'd be that way. Yeah. 
So David, 100%, David is like, this is, he's like the first emo rocker ever. He was the first folk, right? The first country singer. Everything's just a sad song for this dude. Most of David's songs are laments. They're always, oh God. Oh. Right? And he, we, so we're literally, when you walk into Psalm 103, we're walking into a therapy session with David and his guitar. And he's going, you know, soul, come on, man. Like, man, we need to remember the benefits because you are forgetting the benefits of being in a relationship with God and you are off your pills right now. And so David is, right, he's, he's in a therapy session right now and he's taking his pills for his soul and he goes, soul, don't forget the benefits. And the first one he says is, who forgives all your sin. Yeah. On a Monday morning, the first thing you need to remind your soul of is that God has forgiven you. Past, present, yeah, even in the future he'll forgive me. But God, I'm forgiven. Like, you, you, you need that. That's the first thought that you need to think. The problem is it's not the first thought that we think, and we begin to, you know, the accuser of the brethren begins to put the, the thoughts in, and we've made agreements with that condemnation, and, you know, there's supposedly no condemnation, but there's, you're bringing in a lot of condemnation because you're trying to make fig leaf bikinis and not allowing the, the you hearing me, the righteousness of God to be rehearsed in your mind and in your heart. And then we begin to feel weird about ourselves because we have this bad thought and bad thoughts produce bad feelings. And so we begin to feel bad about ourselves and bad towards God, like God's, you know, got an ax to grind and, and then bad about other people. And then we begin to live bad towards ourselves and live bad towards God and live wrong towards other people all because we didn't take our first pill. Lord, you've forgiven me. God, I thank you today that as far as the east is from the west, so far have you removed my transgressions from me. I take my pills in the shower. When I wake up in the morning, I'm just like, Father, thank you today. Lord, thank you, that you, thank you for your mercy today. That's, it's new every morning. And God, I just thank you that your mercy is going to follow me all day. I thank you for that today. Lord, I'm walking in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you for that clothing today. Holy Spirit, would you remind me of this throughout the day? I need this, Lord. You hearing me? He forgives all your sins. Next one. He heals all your diseases. I know that I haven't been taking my pills when, um, when I'm not giving God the benefit of the doubt as my healer. That's a great little... You know, like, oh, I'm not going to pray for that person. You know, oh, no, like, it's only a cold, you know. You know what I mean? Like, oh, you know, I'll, you know I'll, I'll, I'll just struggle through this depression that I've been in for two years. You know what I mean? God doesn't care about it. Right? Oh, I probably deserve it. Right? Back to the first one. Because I don't believe that my sins are forgiven. Oh, I deserve this. I've been pretty bad. That's how God is. He always treats me like if I'm good then, or that's self-righteousness, right? If I'm good, then God will be good to me. Oh, okay. As if God loves you because you're nice. You're not saved because you're cute. Your sins are ugly. It's not a good thing. Paul the Apostle is like, yes, yeah, it's, it's filthy rags. Literal translation is dirty underwear. You know, here, Lord, got a Christmas gift for you. <laughs> it's my child's dirty underwear. Left a little something in it for you. 
That's your righteous, your best day is that. You're not cute. That's not why he loves you and adores you and sets his love upon you. It's because he loves you. You're his kid. He's forgiven you. And you're beautiful in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And so you need to receive that. Lord, I thank you today that your heart towards me is healing because of Jesus Christ. I thank you that your posture towards me is for my good, for my healing. Lord, I thank you for your, my, my healing today. Lord, I might not experience it on this side of eternity. I, go, I know I'm healed on that side of eternity. That's a promise. But Lord, I will expect that the good things are going to happen because you're a good God. And so, Lord, I'm just going to believe you for my healing today. I'm going to believe you for my mom's healing and my dad's healing and my neighbor's healing and, Lord, the healing of my soul and my mind. And, Father, thank you that you're my healer and that's the way that you, you, you think towards me. You're starting to feel good. If you're just in the shower, that's pretty good. Next one, he's, he heals all my diseases and he, he redeems my life from the pit and crowns me with steadfast love and mercy. It's kind of like the relationship doesn't just end with God pulling you out of hell. And this could actually even apply to your life. Some of you are like, God loves me. Okay, he's, he's forgiven me, but he doesn't care about my business. He doesn't care about my finances. He doesn't care about the dreams that are in my heart. He doesn't care about my relationships. He doesn't care about the practicality. It's just fire insurance, really. That's the relationship, right? No, he redeems your life from the pit. No, he wants to establish you. Crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Lord, I thank you today. I take this pill. Lord, I thank you today that you care about my life. Lord, I thank you that I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Father, I thank you that you crowning this day, you're crowning this week, this month, this year with love and mercy. Father, I thank you for love and mercy. They're just going to follow me. I have the scent of Jesus Christ on me and love and mercy, like Spurgeon said, they're the hound dogs of heaven. And they're just going to follow me everywhere because I got the scent of the sun on me. You hearing me? I have a righteousness that's not mine. Of course they're going to follow me everywhere. Father, I'm starting to feel, you hearing me? I'm thinking good thoughts. I'm working my conscious program. I'm starting to deal with this subconscious garbage, the, the agreements that I've made. You hearing me? Right? And the last one here, he satisfies your mouth with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. I've, I've noticed that some of the oldest people in our church are like the youngest people in our church because they've been taking their pills. You're hearing me. Like the, Bobby and Brian are the oldest, or the youngest people in our church, aren't they? They're just like so full of faith and all right, we're going to, you know, pioneer again. I'm like, what the heck? They've been taking their pills. Like, you know, they're just so like, how could somebody have such a Caleb spirit like that? You know, like Brian could easily just rest on his laurels and be like, okay, and I've like planted all these churches all over the world and I'm going to retire now. You know, Brian's just like, let's do, let's do another one. And it's like, who are you, bro? <laughs> Taking their pills. And then you've, ha you've got 21-year-olds who are older than God. <laughs> right? G.K. Chesterton said that we're, we're the ones who grew old. God's the one who stayed young. But, you know, you got the 21-year-old cynic. Mm, the world, let's burn it to the ground. The world sucks. Oh, okay. 
You need to take your pills, buddy. <laughs> I want to end with this. Um, when I first moved to New York, I used to drive everywhere. Uh, my, my best friend, David Cuebera, is here. I don't know where he's at. I think he's behind this thing. I used to drive down to, uh, an hour to his house, like every night. We'd work, write music, record music, and then I'd, I'd drive back. And um, just drive everywhere, two hours a day, three hours a day, driving, 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 because there's no, you can't walk anywhere, just drive in the agricultural community, right? And um, so I moved to New York, and you can't have a car in New York. There's nowhere to park it. You don't want to drive in New York City. It's a nightmare, right? So I'm hoofing it everywhere. And about a year in, my knee starts to really give me some pain, really sharp pains. I thought that I had early onset arthritis. And so I'm like popping ibuprofen like Skittles. And I call my dad up and I'm like, dad, my dad's a pastor. And I'm like, dad, I need to come back to Canada, you know, to go to the doctor because my knee is trash. It sucks. It's horrible. I think we're going to have to lop it off. And he's like, yeah, great. But why don't you yeah, book the appointment with Cressy, but why don't you go and see Dr. Doug? Dr. Doug is an elder at my dad's church. He's a chiropractor. And a, he's a, a double doctorate, and he's, he's, he's nuts. And he's, double, he's a chiropractor and a naturopathic doctor. And I'm like, because I need a real doctor? Because we're going to have to amputate it. <laughs> and he's like, don't be an idiot. Just talk to Doug. I'm like, he's a garlic-hanging witch doctor. It's a soft science, Dad. And I need surgery, you know, like... And so he's like, stop being an idiot. Just go see Doug. And I'm like, whatever. You know, so I, I fly home and I go, I hobble into Cressy's and, you know, looking around. And he's like, yeah, I don't know. You know, da, 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 da. We take some x-rays or whatever. Um, and then I, I, I drive down the street to, to, to Dr. Doug. And so I, I hobble into Dr. Doug and I'm like, my knee hurts. And he's like, you know, sit down. And he's like, where is it? You know, it's like right here. And he's like, does it hurt? And I'm like, yeah, it's, my, it's where it hurts, you know. And um, and he's like, all right, well, uh, I want you to just do a, this stretch, stretch your calf. Uh, I want you to stretch your, your hamstring, and then I want you to stretch your IT band. He's like, I think that it's just you're tight, and that's what's causing the pain. I'm thinking, this is going on for a year, dude. It's like the worst pain ever. Stretches? Are you also a volunteer high school gym coach? <laughs> you got a doctorate in that? You know what I mean? <laughs> Like, thanks, stretches. Yeah, wow, impressive science. Um, so I'm like, kind of like, what a waste of time. You know, like, I'm going to go back to Cressy and, you know, hopefully those x-rays come in. It's there's something clearly happening here. But I'm desperate, right? So I do the stretches, and he's like, you know, do the stretches for two weeks, and it should be good. And I'm like, that's crazy, right? Witch doctor. And... Um, and a week in, I'm doing the stretches, and all the pain's gone. Like, all the, it's, it was weird. It shouldn't be like that. You know what I mean? Stretches? I could have done that. I could have done the stretches and saved myself so much pain. But I didn't want a simple answer to my problems. I wanted a complex answer to my problems. I wanted to... You know, I wanted, to, I wanted Benny Hinn to pray for me, to be quite honest with you. <laughs> I wanted to go to, like, you know what I mean? Like a big tent, go in, they're, 
somebody's on an organ, there's a lady smashing a tambourine. <laughs> Benny's up there in a white suit, he's just sweating because it's hot out. You know, and, you, and he gets a word of knowledge, you know, like, there's somebody here with a knee problem. It's like, it's me, right? I hobble up. This is in my dreams. This is how I, I saw it going. Right? And then, like, you know, Benny swooshes me over and I fall down. They put a modesty cloth over me because I'm wearing shorts. And then after, like, ten minutes, I get up and the pain is gone. That's what I wanted. You hearing me? Like, that was the process that I'm like, God, you know, bring your healing. But God brought Dr. Doug and the stretches. My point here is we discount the Word of God. We don't take the pills. We know that we're supposed to be doing this. I want to give you homework this week. Why don't you take your pills for seven days? Psalm 103, verses 2 to 5. Just rehearse that every day. And why don't, why don't we just see what the Holy Spirit does with that? Take your pills in Jesus' name. Why don't you stand with me, church? In, in a moment, I want to do something. Um, I just want to pray for some folks who maybe you've never had an opportunity to receive that righteousness that's not your own. And you know, you're, maybe you're dealing with some guilt and some shame and some heaviness. And you know, you've never had an opportunity to, to receive the covering that only God can provide. In John chapter 3, verse 16, it says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Jesus is that covering. That whoever believes in him, and that's how we receive the covering of, of God, is by believing in the one who he sent. Whoever believes in him receives that covering by faith. Will not perish, but have everlasting life. That healing does something to you. It changes you. You're forgiven, and you, 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 and you know it. It's just because, because God's the one who's dealt with it. If God do, does, deals with something, you know that that task has been finished, right? He's the one. He's the author, and he's the finisher. And, and so in a moment, I want to give you an opportunity to just receive Jesus. I'm not going to ask you to come up here and like recite the Ten Commandments or something. We do, we're going to do that the next service. In this service, what we're going to do is we're just going to pray a prayer together, just collectively as a family. And I'll pray a little bit of a prayer, and then everybody just repeat after me. And if that's you and you want to receive that covering, let me tell you, friend, you can't dance fast enough for God. There's no way. You can't work your way out of this. That's just fig leaf bikini business. You need to receive that covering of Jesus Christ. If you want to do that today, by faith. I want you to pray this prayer and pray it with all you got. Pray it with conviction. Romans chapter 10 says, if you, if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, and that's what we're about to do, confess with your mouth that God raised Jesus from the dead, you'll be saved. That's how it happens. It's just a receiving by faith. Why don't we do this together? Church, would you, would you enthusiastically join me in praying this prayer? Is that okay? We've all prayed this prayer before, but let's really support people who are going to pray this prayer, maybe for the first time. Maybe there's somebody here, and you've prayed this prayer, but there's been some years 
perhaps even some decades, there's been some road between you and God and you feel like there's been some serious distance. And what you want to do today is place a fresh stake in the ground and go, God, I am not going to try to you know, sweat this out in my own strength. I need to come back to your mercy and your grace. And so if that's you, first timers, or maybe somebody who just, you need to recommit in a fresh way. Why don't you pray this prayer? Here we go. You ready, church? Okay, it's really simple. Dear Jesus. Come on, let's do a little better than that. Dear Jesus. I need you. Save me, Jesus. I believe that you are who you say you are. You are God. You are my righteousness. And I receive you today by faith. I receive your power that sets me free. I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that you are who you say you are. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Thanks for listening to that podcast. We pray it blessed you and empowered you in all that God's got for you. Why don't you share that with a friend, someone who maybe needs to hear it. We'd love for you to also to visit us um, either online at colonialchurch.life or here at church at 550 State Road 207 here in St. Augustine, Florida. Be blessed.